What a blessing it is to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us online. For those who are joining us, we, are, we praise the Lord every Sunday. We get to gather together. We don't know how many times we get to do that, but we are thankful and blessed to have uh, some people here with us this morning and also some people with us online as well. Last week, if you were here, <clears throat> We got to hear from Dr. Thomas, the president of OBU, and uh, he came and encouraged us at Northwest and reminding us that God's church is worth it, amen? That the leaders in God's church give their lives to God's people in response to this gospel, in response to worship of this great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the church reflects the glory of God together for his purposes. Now we go back to beans and cornbread in the book of Acts as we have been doing for some time now and we're in Acts chapter eight this weekend in the series The Power of God as we have seen the Holy Spirit indwell God's church. If you've been with us at all, you've seen Acts chapter 1 all the way through Acts chapter 8 is all about the Holy Spirit indwelling God's people, empowering God's people to fulfill God's plan and his mission in being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is the Lord himself sending his church, his people, to be on mission for him. In the text this morning, God sends a normal, regular church member, Philip, to go and declare the gospel from the Old Testament to someone who is ready to hear and happens to be from the Horn of Africa. He goes to the nations to declare the mysteries of the gospel and explain to a people who this Jesus is. And the result we see this morning is the proclamation of faith through baptism. So let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and we will uh, read that together. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, as it is custom here at Northwest, we stand in honor of reading God's word. If you'll stand with us, we'll read the word together. It's on the screen in front of you if you don't have a Bible with us today. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and, and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? 
and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is the water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this morning, that as we see this passage, as we hear, Father, about your work in the hearts of mankind, in the hearts of the nations. May we be stirred as your church, as your people, to have a heart for the things that you have a heart for, for the nations, oh Lord. Lord, may we be a people at Northwest that long to explain the truth of the gospel in the word of God, through the word of God, to men and women who are looking and searching for truth. Lord, we need you right now. We need you in, in our homes, in our lives. And Father, help us to look past ourselves and what we're going through and look to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I was just thinking as I was praying, sometimes I do a dual thing where I think and I pray or the Lord's speaking to me and I'm thinking about something as I'm preaching. And I'm just reminded of this. Oftentimes when we go through trials and difficulties and persecutions, things that are happening in our world today that you can see all around us, Oftentimes we tend to look inward to our own thoughts, our own problems, our own issues. And God's word helps us to look outward. And so, and oftentimes when, when you preach through passages of the Bible, the Lord's like, okay, why are you preaching this passage this morning? Rob, why are you talking about global missions this morning? Why are you talking about reaching the ends of the earth this morning? When the coronavirus is happening, people, people are dying, people are in the hospitals. We still don't know who won the election. Why, why are you talking about these things? And I think the Lord is telling us he wants us to look outward <laughs> instead of inward focused to be the church, the people of God, to look at what God wants to do, not what we want to do or what we want to happen. 
Because you see, the Lord himself has a plan. And often he doesn't reveal his plans to us. Often we don't see God's sovereign plan until the dust settles in our own lives. But many times the Lord has placed in my life people in my path. Maybe it's on a short-term mission trip, on an airplane, or in some cases when I least expect it during a pandemic. One of the most shocking instances of when the Lord placed me in a specific place with a specific person was in Washington, D.C. a few years back. I think it was 2008, so it was a while ago. We are doing an exercise and sharing the gospel with internationals in Washington, D.C. There's many people who come to see Washington, D.C., to see the monuments, to see all of the things that happen in, in America. And we were supposed to, we were there and we were supposed to have one conversation, gospel conversation, with someone from a different country. <clears throat> and I had been having trouble all day uh, finding someone to have a conversation with for whatever reason. People either didn't want to have that conversation or um, I couldn't find someone. And I finally sat down after searching and searching and trying to do it, trying to do it, trying to do it on my own, talking to people. Hey, hey, you wanna, you wanna talk about Jesus? Like, hey, you wanna, you wanna get into conversation? Either they didn't want to or the conversation didn't go anywhere. So I sit down and I just pray. I said, Lord, you know who needs to hear the message of the gospel today. Here I am, send me. And just about that time when I finished praying, a Chinese man dressed in what looked like religious garb in his 80s, looks like, an older man, walks up to me sitting on the bench by myself. Literally, I'm by myself sitting on this bench and his granddaughter next to him speaks these words, no lie. My grandfather is a Tao priest or a Tao monk from China. And he would like to talk to you about your religion. He would like to ask you a few questions. And he asked his questions and I proceeded to share with him the good news message of Jesus Christ. At that point, I was overwhelmed with emotion I was reminded of the sovereignty of God in placing two people in the exact place for his good purposes and the proclamation of his good news about Jesus. Some would call this a divine appointment. There is no doubt this was not an accident. There is no doubt that it is not an accident you are here this morning or you're turning, tuning in with us online. God places people together so that his 
people filled with the spirit of the living God, empowered, can share the truth of the message of the gospel. You see this in the story this morning. God places two men together, not on an airplane, but on the highway. The highway from Jerusalem to Gaza. The spirit leads Philip to a man reading the scriptures. And the man reading the scriptures does not understand it. He wants to know God, but he needs someone to explain to him the gospel message and that it ties into Christ. But this is not just the cry of the Ethiopian in the text. This is the cry of millions and millions of people all over the world. How many people are out there that have a desire to know God but don't know how to follow him? This is the call for the church to rise up and say, here I am, send me. Look at verse 26 together. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south. My buddy this morning said to me, you don't forget one thing, Rob, this morning, that this is the anti-Jonah. I preached a series a while back in the summer about Jonah, his refusal to go to where God was leading him to a whole nation of people. Now, look at what it says. It says, arise and go towards the south. And eventually, Philip will go to one man, not a whole nation. God is calling him to one person. Who's your one? All right, let's go. I'm getting excited. We gotta continue here. To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? This is our first point this morning. The Holy Spirit sends his church to people who desire to know God. The Holy Spirit sends his church to people who desire to know God. Those that are his. How does God save? Through the proclamation of his word. Through the testimony, the testifying about Christ. How about people who have never heard? God has an army. It's called his church. What happens if someone truly wants to know God but haven't heard the good news? I believe in this story you see the sovereignty of God play out, the almighty God in which wants to save all people. 
You see, in this story, we see the spirit of the living God sending an ordinary servant in the church, Philip. This is not Philip the pastor. This is not Philip the apostle. This is Philip the one who waits on tables for widows, Philip, earlier in Acts. He is sharing the gospel in Samaria. He's been successful. He's seen many people baptized whole towns and villages baptized for the the gospel and the Lord says, oh wait, I've got a guy. He's on his way down south, go to Gaza, go to the desert down there, walk 165 miles from Jerusalem to Gaza and on your way, you'll see my guy. He's waiting for you. The Lord is not letting this man go. Do you believe that the Lord desires to save all the people of the earth? Because that's what the word of God says, 1 Timothy 2, 4. It says, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. So if a person is desiring God to know God, just as the the Ethiopian is desiring to know God here, do you not believe that God will send one of his to explain to him the way of salvation that is through Jesus Christ alone? But what about his church? What about us, Northwest Baptist? Oh Lord, may we have a heart. May we have the heart to be sent by your spirit. 165 miles for one man. That heart. Oh, by the way, he didn't didn't drive, he walked. He walked 165 miles. One man. The Lord has a vast army of gospel proclaimers, people who have knowledge of Him. We call them God's church. And God searches the earth for those whom He can use to share with people whom He has called to Himself. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. I mean, I I can't say enough about this story about Philip. Look 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 at verse 30. So Philip ran to him. The Spirit says to Philip, go over and join the chariot. Philip runs to the chariot. No matter how far, no matter how hard, no matter how embarrassing he goes. The Lord doesn't even tell him why he's going south. He just says in verse 26, rise and go towards the south the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. He he doesn't know who he's looking for at the time. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He sees this high-ranking official 
of the queen of Ethiopia, an Ethiopian eunuch. Eunuch meaning he's been castrated, so there is no funny business between him and the queen. I guess they took their job pretty seriously back in the day. If you don't understand, that was a joke, by the way, so it's okay. But if you don't understand what a eunuch is, you can ask Chris Gully. He's volunteered to answer all of your questions concerning that. So this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, he has an entourage with him. He's, he's not just some dude, but he has a whole group of people. He's in a chariot, probably a chariot was probably this huge couch in which really strong dudes are lifting and walking him the 165 miles. Tough life for this guy, but that's his chariot that he's living in or walking in. And the Spirit sends Philip to the chariot. Verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. I'm sure many of you, if we ask in this church, I'm sure many of you, the Lord has orchestrated a divine appointment for some of you. Maybe it's to sit next to someone on an airplane in which you knew that the Lord had placed you there for a specific purpose or reason. You talk to someone at a meeting or an event or a coffee shop, and it often happens something similar to this. You say, Lord, I'm ready, and you actually pray for opportunities for the Lord to use you during that short-term mission trip that day, that day at work, wherever it may be, and the Lord happens to open the door and you step through the door and explain the gospel to someone else. I, I, don't, I don't know how many times that I've been somewhere and someone comes up to me and shares with me their loss. Maybe they've lost a parent or even a child or I've been talking to one person and they don't understand the difference between the gospel and religion. They're turned off by the church in the past and I get an opportunity to explain to them what the gospel is. Or Maybe I sit, I've sat next to somebody before who's an extreme vir- environmentalist who wants to, to uh, clean up the planet and do all these things, and they've never heard of the creator God, the one who designed the world and everything in it. The Lord always seems to have a plan for his people, to put his people in positions to share the message of truth with those who do not know and may be seeking after him. This is not some magic formula. You may say, well, what about me? Why, why isn't the Lord putting me in those kind of positions? It's just being open and available for the spirit of the living God to use you. Asking the Lord to put people in your path 
And when he opens the door, you're able to walk through that and be able to have a conversation about his word, his truth, your testimony about who he is. This is so much different than Jonah. Remember, Jonah says, no, I'm not gonna go there. When he shares, he doesn't have a heart for the person, the people of Nineveh. Philip runs. Verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? That's the Ethiopian. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. This is point number two. Probably guessed it by now, but the church must be ready to share the truth of the gospel. The church must be ready to share the truth of the gospel. 1 Peter 3, 15, Chris Gully says this all the time, but in your hearts, honor Christ as, as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Philip was ready. We, as the church of the living God, must be ready. Philip knew the scriptures well. He knew exactly what this man was reading. He knew exactly what this man was talking about. He knew his Old Testament. We must know our Old Testament because we can preach Christ from the Old Testament. We can preach Christ from creation. We can preach Christ from Moses. We can preach Christ from Christ. The Gospels. We can preach Christ from the Epistles. We can preach Christ from Revelation. We can preach Christ. We can share the Gospel message about Christ from Scripture. And the Ethiopian is reading from Isaiah a passage that would be familiar to us about the suffering servant. Isaiah 53. The Ethiopian is on a journey to find God. He has just come from Jerusalem to worship but he's having trouble in his pursuit of God, in his pursuit of worship, he is having trouble. You know, most likely when he went to the temple, he, he was confronted by a sign in front of the temple that, of the outer court that said, no lame, no blind, no eunuchs may enter here. That's what he came to worship this God at the temple and he sees the sign and he says, I'm not allowed in. I can't go to God. He would have been denied access even to the court of the Gentiles. Remember in Acts chapter three, who's outside the gate that is called beautiful? The lame man who can't walk, who also cannot get in. 
He goes to worship. He can't. Now we have this picture of the eunuch also denied access to God because of his imperfections. Does that sound familiar? It's representative of all of us in our imperfections or our sin. We cannot enter into the presence of God alone. On our own, no good works will allow us to enter into the presence of God because we fall short. We are sinners. But that's not the end of the story. One of the reasons I believe the Ethiopian was reading this passage was because there's a passage just a few verses later in Isaiah, Isaiah 56, that talks about eunuchs and gives hope for the eunuch. It says this in Isaiah 56, 4, let the eunuch no longer say, I am a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs, who embrace my covenant, I will give you in my house a name better than sons and daughters, an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And he's going backward in Isaiah chapter 53, and he's going, how do I get this salvation? How do I have a name that is better? How do I have this everlasting? How do I have a covenant with the the Lord God Almighty? And he gets to Isaiah 53 and he sees that something here is causing him to have an everlasting name. Something here is causing him to embrace the covenant of God. Something in Isaiah 53 and he's circling it and he's looking for it and he's searching in the scriptures. Where do I go? How do I get to salvation? How can my name be restored? How can I have something better than sons and daughters? And Philip opens his mouth, verse 35, and beginning with the scripture he is reading in Isaiah 53, he told them the good news about Jesus. That Jesus would be the lamb of God who was slain. He would declare, he would be God's plan from the beginning the Savior, the Messiah, to rescue all of mankind from their sin and their death. He would conquer the grave. He would die a humiliating death in our place as the perfect sacrifice for sin. He would be the suffering servant who would give imperfect human beings access to God and everlasting life. You see, the gospel spoke to the Ethiopian at that moment in his life. And may the gospel speak this morning to your situation. Whether society has called you an outcast or you've been living in sin, don't consider yourself worthy to enter into the presence of God 
or your sickness has left you confused, wondering where is God in all of this? May the good news message of Christ come and give you comfort and may you see the scripture is about Jesus and his salvation for you, Jesus in my place. Oh, what joy this eunuch must have felt. Even though the world says, no, you can't enter, you cannot worship this God, Jesus says, no, enter in. Because of what I have done upon the cross for you. No doubt, Philip's explanation of the gospel here must have included baptism because of what comes next. Verse 36 And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This is our last point this morning. Baptism is the proclamation of our faith in Jesus. Baptism is the proclamation of our faith in Jesus. We see the immediate response to this man is baptism. His response to the gospel is baptism. Why? Because Philip told him that is the response to the gospel. Immersion in water. Let us go down into the water and be baptized. Peter calls the church in Pentecost in Acts chapter two, repent and be baptized. That is a response to the gospel message. Jesus whom you crucified. And then the the crowd goes, what shall we do, Peter? He says, repent and be baptized. In chapter eight in Samaria, Philip is sharing the gospel. And he says, those who received the word were baptized. Baptized. Baptism does not save, faith saves. Yet it is baptism which shows our faith. It is the proclamation of our faith in Christ. Identification now with Jesus, his death burial, and resurrection. We are dead, and now we live in Christ. It is a picture of our faith that is in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.21, which is sometimes viewed as a controversial verse, is pretty clear. It says, baptism, which corresponds to this, talking about Noah and God's salvation in the days of the water, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the act of baptism, removal of dirt from the body. It's not the act of putting you in the water that saves you, but the appeal to God or the pledge to God of of a good conscience. It's your proclamation of your faith in Christ, which is shown through the act of baptism. The act of baptism itself 
going into the water, proclaims the gospel to God's church and to those that are viewing this. You go under the water, signifying death, the death of Christ, and your death, identifying you died as well, and now you live in Christ. Christ resurrected from the dead. Now Christ lives in you. You are dead to your sins, and you now live in Christ. The washing of regeneration through the Holy Spirit now allows us to walk in a newness of life. You see, the entry point of this into the church seems to be this public proclamation of faith through believers' baptism. Only after someone has been saved do they, are they baptized. It is a declaration of someone that says, I believe in Jesus It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is why Jesus said, don't just make a bunch of salvations, but he said make disciples, and one of the ways, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this, after reading this this passage, remember we we say that... um, Acts is descriptive, it's not prescriptive, but when we see this in the early passage, I think it's a good idea that we should include baptism in our gospel proclamation. I think we should explain to a person what baptism is and what it represents and how someone is baptized and why they would do that. Because truly, if someone has a regenerate heart, and truly, if they want to believe in Jesus, they certainly want to follow Jesus through believers' baptism, through the sign of their identity in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Truly, they will want to be baptized. I believe we should include it when we share the gospel with someone. When someone says, I have faith in Christ, they respond in that faith in baptism. But when we look at this passage, we see a man, Philip, who's willing to go where the Spirit leads him to go. He sets aside his own ideals or his own ideas about where he needs to go, what he needs to do. And he's ready when the Lord sends him. I I talked to one of our church members the other day. Actually, he was sharing this with a group. And he said something to the effect of, I didn't ask him if I could share this, but I hope it's okay. But he said something to the effect of, I'm leaving my job because I believe the Lord will free me up to do more work for him. I'm taking another job 
so that I can be free to do the Lord's work. Isn't that interesting? It's an interesting concept. To do what the Spirit leads us to do. And the Spirit's leading of this one man, Philip, unlocks the gospel to a whole people group. The Ethiopians. It's almost like God sent Philip on a short-term mission trip with one person in mind. I love going on short-term mission trips. Some people think, why would you go on short-term mission trips? Why would you spend all this money to go across the world and do all of these things? Because the Lord calls us to go, number one, to the nations, and number two, I do believe that God orchestrates his church to meet people that he is preparing to encourage the believers across the world to share the gospel with some who are ready to hear. We're only able to go on local mission trips in 2020. I hope we go on some International trips in 2021, we'll see what happens. But eventually, if not in 2021, in 2022, or in 2023, or whenever we can, we will be sending people to go. We will be asking you to give up your vacation days to go. We will be a church that not only gives money for people to go, but also goes themselves. Because I believe that the Lord wants his people to go. There may be some, some people in our church at some point who give up their job and go full time to the mission field. But we can start right here, right now, where the Lord sends us. Maybe it's to 22nd Street, right down the street, that he wants us to go. I don't know what he has for us. Maybe he hasn't told us yet. In Thailand, 12 years ago, Jordan and I spent one month in a village living, working, eating, going to the market, going to the schools with these people. We got to know a bunch of people by smiling and saying hello in Thai. Swati kap, and bowing to them like that. That's basically it. At the end of our month in this village, we had a big party we showed this Creation to Christ video. We had some testimonies from some of our Thai Christians. They were helping us. And we said, hey, if there's anyone here that wants to know more about this God that we're talking about and his salvation through Jesus Christ, we would love an opportunity to come into your home and share with you God's story to help you know this God. 
And I'll never forget this older woman coming forward after the service or the talk and saying to me, I was told about Jesus in the fields as a little girl. And I always wanted to know the way of Jesus. Would you come into my home and teach me and my family about the way of Jesus? God had prepared one person for us to go across the world to share the message of the gospel with. Will we as a church be people who are ready when the spirit of the living God calls us to go? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. We thank you for the challenging word that we look outside of ourself to what you are doing in our world, to what you are doing in the hearts and minds of people, that we are reminded of the simplicity of being led by the Spirit, waiting upon the Lord And Father, reminding us that it's not about reaching the masses of people, having thousands and thousands of people come to Christ. But you care about the one. Father, help us to be to care about the one. Father, help us to rejoice as this Ethiopian man rejoiced in his salvation, finding the one true God. Help us to rejoice in our salvation this morning. Lord, we thank you and praise you. for your word is encouraging and uplifting to our soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.